I hope that you think about the Lord Jesus Christ. And when you do, how do you think about him? He was a baby helpless in a manger. He stood before Pilate, seemingly helpless. As Pilate declared him innocent, but handed him over to be crucified. And on the cross, he was utterly humiliated as the soldiers mocked him, saying, If thou be the king of the Jews, save thyself. When you think about Jesus, I hope you come to think of him as risen, as exalted, as glorified now. This is the view that the Apostle John was given when he was in the Isle of Patmos for the testimony of Jesus Christ. We see this in Revelation uh, chapter 1, the latter part of the chapter. The background in this book is that John received this revelation perhaps 65 years after the death, burial and resurrection of Christ. It is maybe 40 years since the Apostle Paul's ministry had ended. The world was a very difficult place for Christians. The Roman Emperor, Domination, marked his reign with terror. John was in exile for the gospel. But John was in the spirit on the Lord's day. And he was shown this vision of Jesus Christ, glorified as Je of Jesus Christ reigning. This vision of Christ was not given for John's benefit, but uh, for that of the whole church throughout this age. May our eyes be lifted up and fixed on the glory and power of the Lord Jesus Christ. This passage is describing something so wondrous that it can only be brought before us in symbolical form. As we look at this passage here, we hear these great words. Verse 11, I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last. Jesus Christ gives this powerful declaration of his divinity. 
are those who go about saying that Jesus never claimed to be God. That is a complete lie. Jesus could not have been clearer. In John 8 verse 58 he said, Before Abraham was, I am. When he was arrested in the garden, he said, I am he. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last. I am he that liveth and was dead, and behold, I am alive for ever more. John heard Christ's powerful voice. He turned and saw. Do you see the wonder of Jesus Christ exalted amidst the seven golden lampstands? John saw one like unto the Son of Man. In Daniel chapter 7 at the 13th verse we read, I saw in the night visions, and behold, one like the Son of Man came with the clouds of heaven and came to the Ancient of Days, and they brought him near before him, and there was given him dominion and glory and a kingdom that all people, nations and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom, that which shall not be destroyed. One like unto the Son of Man. This was perhaps the Lord Jesus' favorite title for himself during his ministry. He totally identified himself in his humanity. He was indeed tempted in all points like as we are, yet without sin. The wondrous truth of his incarnation. Verse 20 we read, Revelation chapter 1, The seven candlesticks which thou sawest are the seven churches. Seven is the number of completeness. There are six days of creation and one day of rest which make a complete week. The seven churches represent all the churches, each dealt with individually. There are seven angels, seven messengers, representing the elders of these churches, Christ's ascension gifts to the church. The church is in the world amidst much tribulation, but Christ is present, and he has provided the means of grace to enable us to finish the race that is set before us. In this passage we have set before us the glory and power of Christ. Look there at verse 13. And in the midst of the seven candlesticks, one like unto the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the foot, and girt about the paps with a golden girdle, and his head and his hairs were white like wool, as white as snow, 
and his eyes were as a flame of fire, and his feet like unto fine brass, as they burn in the furnace, and his voice was as the sound of many waters. He wore a garment down to the foot, and a golden sash around his chest. Surely this is a picture of our wondrous, glorious high priest standing in the midst of the churches. The high priest who had offered up himself as a sacrifice for sin once and for all. The high priest whose atoning work was done. It is finished, was his cry on the cross. Now he stands in the midst of his people, watching over them, close by them. His head and his hairs were white like wool, as white as snow. This description reminds of Daniel chapter 7 verse 9. The Ancient of Days did sit, whose garment was white as snow, and the hair of his head like pure wool. These pictures are symbolic. They are descriptive of reality, reality which is beyond our comprehension. Christ is all wisdom and perfect holiness. By nature, we are so sinful that we cannot understand holiness in all its perfect purity. This is the Lord Jesus Christ who is in the midst of his churches. We read at the end of verse 14, And his eyes were as a flame of fire. His eyes, so powerful, so penetrating. Our own eyesight is very limited and tends to diminish as we grow older. I have to use reading glasses to help me see what's on the page. But Jesus Christ sees everything. His eyes have their own illumination. You cannot hide from him. He sees in the darkest corner of your heart. We read John chapter 2 verse 23. Many believed in his name when they saw the miracles which he did. But then at verse 24. Jesus did not commit himself unto them because he knew all men and needed not that any should testify of man for he knew what was in man. We look upon the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh upon the heart. He sees the real you, the very essence. It is easy enough to look clean on the outside. Certainly to look clean on the outside for an hour or two a week when we attend church, certainly in normal times. But the Lord sees what's on our hearts every hour of every day, whatever we do, wherever we are. This is indeed a sobering thought. There's nothing more sobering than to know that the Lord Jesus Christ knows everything, every thought, every desire, every emotion that you have, no matter how you keep it hidden within yourself. We must never think of standing before him Offering up anything of our own goodness. It is impossible. We have no goodness of our own. Jeremiah 17 verse 9. The heart 
is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? It's not that we are as bad as we could be. By the grace of God, we're not. But it is that we do not everything with perfect wholehearted love to God. If you are honest, you know this. We have nothing of goodness to offer the Lord, and his penetrating eyes see it. So it is with our church. We sometimes might take pride in our own church. But chapters 2 and 3 of Revelation would give us cause for contemplation to see ourselves as the Lord sees us. Water and all, as Cromwell said, may we have a humble appreciation of how the Lord sees us and turn in repentance and faith. Verse 15, we read, His feet like as under fine brass, as if they burned in a furnace. Daniel, in chapter 10, verses 5 and 6 says, Then I lifted up mine eyes, and looked, and behold, a certain man clothed in linen, whose loins were girded with fine gold, Euphaz, his body also was like the burl, and his face as the appearance of lightning, and his eyes as lamps of fire, and his arms and his feet like in colour to polished brass, and the voice of his words like the voice of a multitude. John Gill comments on this, saying, Don't denoting his great strength for action, his stability and firmness, and the glory of his power in trampling upon his enemies and subduing him. And subduing them. The spirit. The scriptures speak very solemnly about the treading out of the winepress. Isaiah 63 verse 3 I have trodden the winepress alone and trampled in my fury. Their blood shall be sprinkled upon my garments for the day of vengeance is in my heart. It is not pleasant to think of the judgment of God. The wrath of God is indeed upon the ungodly, but today is the day of grace. The churches are here to shine out the light. The gospel invitation. Repent and believe. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Jesus Christ did not come that first time to condemn the world. He came to save. This is the glorious truth that we proclaim. But there is also the warning that he will come again. There will be a judgment. The wrath of God will have to be faced. Verse 16, And his voice as the sound of many waters, and he had in his right hand seven stars, 
and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was as the sun shines in his strength. The sword speaks of authority. In Ephesians 6 we see that the word of God is quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. Think of creation. Let there be light, and there was light. Think of that scene in the garden when the soldiers came to arrest him. Jesus merely had to say, I am he. And they fell backwards. They were helpless before the powerful word of Christ. He could have walked out of there if he'd wanted to. His word is powerful. This is what the Lord Jesus used when he was tempted of the devil to put down uh, the arguments of Satan. What power is in his word. We have the whole of this inspired body of truth. Study it, know it, understand it, be ready to use it. Be ready to give an answer for the hope that lieth within us. This is the word that we need to be proclaiming. It is powerful. It will accomplish God's purpose. Lazarus too, and he cried, Lazarus come forth, and Lazarus was raised to life. This powerful word gives new life to those who are dead in trespasses and in sin. Jesus said, ye must be born again. This is a powerful work of the Holy Spirit. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by Word of God. And so we see at the end of verse 16 that his countenance was as the sun shineth. At the end of verse 16 we see that his countenance was as the sun shineth the radiant brightness of his glory think of the noontime sun on a clear summer's day you cannot look directly at it it's so bright so it is with the glory of Christ in his exaltation we see John's response at verse 17 he fell at his feet as dead Oh, that you would know what it is to fall at the feet of Christ as dead, knowing that you have nothing to offer him, knowing that you are unworthy, even as Peter said, depart from me, for I am a sinful man. Do you see the holiness of Christ? Do you see the complete and utter contrast with your own sinfulness? Oh, that we would bow with John in humble. A submission. 
verse 17, though we also see oh, the grace of Christ. He laid his right hand unto me, saying, Fear not. When the Lord of glory, the first and the last, the Alpha and the Omega, he who is dead but is alive forevermore, reaches out and touches you and says, Fear not. You have a cast iron guarantee that there is no need to fear. The Lord could touch John because John testified that Jesus Christ had washed us from our sins in his own blood. These are tremendous words. His faith was in Christ. He was clothed with the righteousness of Christ. No more need you fear the wrath of God. Romans 8 verse 1 There is therefore now no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus. What about you? Do you have a holy reverence for God? Have you bowed in faith before Christ? Then this gracious word of assurance and comfort is yours. Fear not. The risen Lord, the exalted Lord, has the keys of hell and death. Every breath you have is from him. Your life is in his hands. You will not die until he turns the key. But there is grace for the world too. We see that as Christ is standing there, he has pictured this standing between these seven candlesticks, these seven lampstands, lamps which are there to provide light, lamps that are lifted up so that the light shines out to those around. Jesus said, Matthew 5 verse 14, Ye are the light of the world. Does anybody in this world deserve to hear the gospel? Does anybody deserve to hear the good news of Jesus Christ and him crucified? No, not one of us does. All we deserve is the wrath of God. As it was indeed in the days of Noah. Each of us are sinners. In Adam, each of us die. Judgment is deserved. But we have this day of grace. Gospel churches are here to shine out the light of the good news of Jesus Christ. Our church needs to hear the message of Christ to the seven churches. We 
we need to have greater love for the Lord, greater love for the truth, to do away with lukewarmness, any toleration of error. The Lord had blessed his churches with messengers. We see the word angels. The word angels means messenger. These messengers of the seven churches. They are the elders. Those in the church with teaching responsibility. The ascension gifts of Christ to the church. Jesus told his disciples to pray to the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth laborers unto the harvest. There's a need, there's opportunity today for those who will be raised up to faithfully proclaim the gospel, to preach it far and wide, to make disciples of all the nations. May we earnestly seek the Lord for days and times of revival in our church, for days of gospel liberty and gospel Opportunity and gospel harvesting in our land. Oh, that the Lord would have mercy upon us. That even yet in wrath, he would remember mercy. May we have a view, an appreciation of Christ, exalted, glorious, all-powerful, in the midst of the churches. Whether the church seems to be strong, or whether the church is struggling, there is Christ. His word is powerful. His legs are strong. His messengers are in his hand. May we look to Christ. May we have faith in him. May we look to him for grace and mercy. That the glory of Christ be widely proclaimed. Amen.